Hello and good afternoon. This is Deacon Pat coming to you from beautiful and spacious Texas. You heard me right. Catholic Journey, which was once coming to you from California, is now coming to you from beautiful Houston, Texas, just north of Houston in the woodlands. Anyway, it's been a journey for us. I uh, haven't recorded in some time, and partly that was due to the transition, uh, leaving California and then getting planted here in Texas. So I came out a little bit earlier than Liz. Liz uh, McKenzie, my, old, my youngest daughter, came out um, Gosh, was, has it been a month now that they've been out here? And then Mackenzie has already moved on and she's back to Texas or to uh, Chicago where she's going to uh, resume going to school for a graduate program. And Liz and I are here. Um, we still have one more part of the journey to make. Right now we're living in a small town um, just outside of Houston called Tomball. And just a uh, just a beautiful, quaint little town. And we're here for probably another month while our house uh, finishes being built in the Woodlands area. Uh, just north of the, the Woodlands, um, south of a town called Conroe. And a beautiful new house and a new housing development. And boy, who would have ever known that Houston, Texas is so beautiful? I, I would have never thought that, that... Uh, that just there's trees and forests everywhere and and I'm really looking forward to moving into our new house um, it's a beautiful little area and uh, the our backyard is um, adjacent to a forest and uh, there's lakes all around hiking trails all around and gosh the people faithful uh, just America loving people it's so nice to be here in Texas well, anyway, it's been a journey. Um, my previous parish was uh, St. Joseph's Parish in Marysville, California. And that was such a treat to be back there. Even though I was there for a short time, it was my childhood parish. So it was just so much fun to be back there and bring back the memories and of growing up and all my brothers and my mom and dad and sitting in the pews. That Actually, gosh, what had it been? Almost a 30-year turnaround from the time that I was there last to this time being there. And instead of being a parishioner, um, actually being assigned as a deacon there. And what an honor that was. But what a different view sitting uh, in the, on the altar and looking down upon the parishioners um, and uh, all those memories flooding back of uh, growing up there. Liz and I were married in that church. Our kids were all baptized in that church and just a great experience. Well, here we are in Texas now, and I formally uh, applied and asked for faculties in the uh, Galveston Houston Diocese and that's in the works and I'm hoping um, gosh in the next week or so to uh, receive my assignment there's one of three parishes that are close to our house that's being built and I'm just waiting to hear which one um, that I'll be assigned to and then once that happens you know how that works um, introduction to the parish community, start serving uh, the parishioners. Um, we're basically gifted a, a new family and uh, get to know each other and you know help each other along this journey. So we've been visiting all the three different parishes, actually two of the three. One of them I looked at and I don't think that there's quite a need for a deacon there. So I've been focusing really on the other two parishes and we'll see. Gosh, it's a little bit different here in Texas. At least um, my limited experience here uh, has shown me that uh, they have a lot of of these 
you'd almost call them like these mega churches. <laughs> they're the, the beautiful Catholic churches, but they're huge. Maybe it is true that everything's bigger in Texas. <laughs> but um, they're beautiful, but they're big, and there's a lot of Catholics here. And, and the parishes that we visited anyway seem to be very vibrant. And I'm real excited to see uh, who Cardinal Daniel, who's the Archbishop here of the uh, Galveston Houston Archdiocese, where he um, or his uh, delegated person will assign me and to see where life will take us. So I have, uh, before I moved here, I did, I did receive uh, uh, an opportunity to uh, have employment. And uh, so I took a position as a chief nursing officer at a large uh, psychiatric hospital in northern Houston and uh, been settled in there for a little over two months now. And uh, it's a 128-bed inpatient psychiatric hospital. We do inpatient services, outpatient services uh, for adolescents and adults. And uh, it's been a great experience so far, wonderful people. And uh, feel like I'm pretty much settling in now. Took a little while to kind of get up to speed, but that seems to be going really well. So I shared, gosh, in just like five minutes, I shared with you uh, four months worth of an experience. <laughs> I wonder how, how is your summer going? How are things going uh, trying to rebound from this uh, COVID experience and and uh, there were some of the recent threats of, of some people wanting to... Uh, see it flare back up again. Uh, there is a flare-up of some regarding this Delta uh, variant, um, but I keep scratching my head thinking that um, maybe some people are wanting to make it out to be more than it is. Not that I'm not taking it serious. I think it is something serious for us to think about. But if you really think about it, how many people have had COVID already? Um, I'm one of them. My wife's one of them. Um, and the science that I'm reading anyway, this people that had a, a case of, of COVID are immune to uh, any variations to the virus. It doesn't seem to be affecting them. Uh, the people, what is it, thousands and thousands and thousands of people have chosen to uh, have the vaccine. And uh, my experience is, for the most part, the people who have had the vaccine um, are not coming down with the Delta variant or the original uh, COVID virus. So it seems to be providing uh, a source of immunity for them or protection for them. So the people that are being affected most by this Delta variant are people who haven't had the COVID virus or that have chosen not to receive the vaccine for a variety of different reasons. And those that are uh, contracting the Delta variant, for the most part, it's a very benign illness and people are um, recovering from that. I haven't watched the statistics on this as close as I did on the initial COVID, um, but the little bit that I have heard is that it's a very communicable virus, um, you know, similar to like the cold, I, I guess. And um, But it doesn't seem to be that severe, uh, probably even less severe than the original one. And recovery rate is, is very, very high. And the mortality rate is extremely low. So I guess my line of thinking regarding this, and I don't want to say that I'm a, I'm a, you know, the highest level of expert, but I do have some degree of understanding. I'm a master prepared registered nurse. 
Uh, I do have board certification. I'm also a certified public health nurse. So I have, I would say, at least a moderate level of understanding of this. Um, So my understanding is this, is that the more people that come down with the Delta variant, and if these are especially people that are not vaccinated and that are not uh, recovered from COVID, meaning that they haven't previously had COVID and recovered from it, um, that means that we're actually just increasing the herd immunity. Those people who have been the outliers, if they come down with the Delta variant, which I'm told is fairly communicable, but not very severe, but then after they recover from that, then they're immune as well. It's just a matter of time, and then we're through this thing. So um, I think the initial initial fear that a lot of people had was that with, with COVID that it was happening so fast and that the hospitals would be overrun, the ERs would be overrun, the I, the ICUs would be overrun. The idea was never to uh, prevent people from getting COVID because that was almost a no-brainer that people were going to get it. The idea was to slow, remember, to flatten the curve, to slow down the spread. Uh, somehow that morphed into we were going to stop it altogether. I don't think that was ever the plan. But um, anyway, so what I'm being told is that this is not a problem with the emergency rooms right now. <laughs> They're nowhere near of being, uh, you know, overrun or, or um, at over capacity. And same with the ICU uh, units uh, across the country. So I don't really see the urgency. I do know that um, there's a lot of people with agendas out there and that having this COVID has helped them in their in their aspect of, of what it, their their agenda or aspects of their agenda, and so what worked once they probably see as possibly wanting to work twice, and so I think there's some ulterior motives out there with all of this. You know, it's really interesting uh, leaving California and coming to Texas. Um, the culture obviously is quite different here, but even when you listen to uh, the local radio stations here and, and the news outlets, what a different view they have on, uh, on many things in our society and culture that are really different than other geographical areas. And one in particular is really this view on the COVID virus and uh, how they're handling it here. So we still have lots of friends in California hearing about a variety of different things there. And it's just interesting to, uh, to think about some of the comparisons. Anyway, switching gears for a minute, um, gosh, that Dixie fire that's back in California. I think it's the third largest fire of all times of history in California, and it's just been devastating to a lot of areas. What is it? Is it Greenville that's been just destroyed that whole town, and now it's up nearby uh, Lake Almanor, and also um, Westwood and Chester, some of, the, uh, some of our friends live in that area, and I'm, I hear it's not, not there yet. Westwood and Chester and uh, some of Lake Almanor I think has been spared as well but some of those smaller towns it's just been devastating to them to uh, to see the 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 destruction and and just the flattening of of towns uh, in general I think some people have been talking about that again it's a uh, related to some poor upkeep of forest management and also uh, PG&E the electrical company there and and uh, not keeping up with the maintenance of their lines and equipment as well. And anyway, you know, 
usually I would say this all things will come out in the end and we'll know the truth someday. But I'm, I'm starting to doubt that more and more and more because I think just the level of, of, of greed, hypocrisy, and just, uh, I don't know. I was going to say some level of evil maybe. I, I don't know. But people are, are so adept at uh, hiding things, covering things up, using different uh, uh, public relation techniques to to smear people and discredit them. I don't really know. I think I think ultimately, you know, when we put it in God's hands, we'll know the truth one day. And uh, as long as I guess we can stay out of trouble, who is it for us to judge on some level? But if but we do need to judge if it's going to put us in harm's way, if it's going to you know, harm, you know, our society and our culture, of course we can judge. So I think that's something that we really have to discern on how we want to look at life as well. Ultimately, though, I do know the answer that God knows the truth and we will know the truth one day as well. And I guess just to try to do the best we can in life, be the best person that we can, try to surround ourselves with good people, Try to continue to grow, grow in personal holiness and personal goodness, and to try to be the best reflection of God's love and his mercy and his forgiveness to those around us. And by doing so, people will know us by our actions. Isn't that what they say about Christians, that you will know a Christian by the fruit and by the way that they love one another? So one of the things that I try to ask myself sometimes, and maybe, maybe you could do the same, do people know you're a Christian by the fruit of your works around you, by the way you carry yourself, and by the way you love? Do people know that you're a Christian by how you present yourself to the world, how you carry yourself in the world? Something to think about on this holy day, on this day of really rest, this day of our Lord's day, is to really think about um, how are we interacting with this world? Are we doing it in such a charitable way, in such a loving way, that uh, we can be that pure reflection of Christ to those around us. Well, I won't take any more of your time. I just wanted to reconnect with you. It's been some time. And uh, look forward to hearing more from the Catholic journey from the heart of Texas. Good luck to you today. Get some rest. May God bless you. And may God forever keep you in his loving embrace. Until we speak again, Deacon Pat from Texas. Texas.